Alright guys, welcome back to the Bible Unfiltered. I am John. And I am David. Thank you for joining us this week. We're here to deliver your new episode, as promised. <laughs> a little that's bit right. late. A little a little later than expected, but you know, that's That on life. call, it, it sucks, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, when you're a blue-collar worker and you're, you're uh, at the whim and mercy of others, it's, it's hard to uh, find time to record. Yeah. Uh, well, this uh, week we're going to be going, uh, we're starting chapter three, which is exciting. Um, we're going to be uh, going from verse one to verse eight. So what I'm going to do is go ahead and read it in full like we normally do. And then we're going to go back um, verse by verse and, and break it apart. So here we go. This is Romans three, verse one. Then what advantage has the Jew or what is the value of circumcision? Much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? By no means. Let God be true. Um, let let God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. <clears throat> But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. By no means, for then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. That's a that's a good place to leave off at. I think so. <laughs> yeah. gives gives you a lot to chew on. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at this first sentence, uh, you know, what advantage is there to being a Jew or to being circumcised? Uh, I, there's, I think we've touched on it before, but there's a lot of uh, anti-Semitism in the church and all oh, in the world abroad, I guess, but. Uh, you know, it, it kind of, uh, there, there's a lot of, uh, what is it, re- replacement theology. Right. You know, and their, their arguments, you know, they're, they're, there's a bit of truth to it. You know, like we, we're not under the law anymore. We don't have to be J- Jewish or circumcised. You know, you, so you, you don't actually have to do that. Um, uh, so... Thankfully. Thankfully. (laughs) Well, I mean, unless unless that happened at your birth, then that's great. Uh, But can you imagine the people coming into the church at Galatia and they're like, you have to be circumcised in these older (laughs) men. They're like, oh, no. (laughs) Please, no. (laughs) Yeah. And then Paul, so side note, here's here's a joke, and it's not the most appropriate, but it's funny. Um, So imagine that that you just got convinced to, to go through with this procedure. And then Paul's letter <laughs> shows up a week later. <laughs> oh, oh man, that would be a kick in the stomach. Yes. Well, a kick in the crotch. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. Yeah. Um, it's too yeah. <laughs> yeah. So oh, anyways, yeah, I heard somebody say that, you know, um, yeah, they they were they were poking fun and they were like, yeah, can you imagine being the guy? And, and he's like, hey, 
did you hear about Paul's letter? And he's like, no, what? You know, and he just had it done last week. <laughs> he's like, we don't have to do this anymore. I'm going to have to reschedule my surgery because it was going to be today. And I'm so thankful. And then the other guys over there, you know, just mad. Yeah. Me. <laughs> like, oh, thanks. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, we don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to, you know, do the feasts or... Uh, adhere to the the Sabbath rules or anything like that, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for the Jews anymore, and that doesn't mean that we treat the Jews any worse or differently because they were the people that God gave his word to. Uh, They were the people God chose to use. So we should act with respect uh, for them and you know, just as as human beings in general who have suffered a lot, they obviously need a certain amount of uh, protection. And, um, you know, I, I don't have to say, you know, the Holocaust, you know, it, like there's points in our history where we can look back and see clear hatred for the Jewish people that I think should be a good indicator to us that, okay, they're still somewhere in God's plan. And, you know, the devil is still very much against them. And it's sad because a lot of them aren't saved and they're going, you know, kind of spend eternity without God. So that should give us a, a further to a, a fervent fire in us to, to try and reach them, not push them away. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's good. And um, something that I think we've talked about in the past, but I think it's always worth sharing is we hear a lot of, disdain for the law in the Old Testament. It's like, oh, I'm glad I'm not under the law anymore, as if the law was a bad thing. Um, but it's it's actually the opposite. The law is good and perfect and holy and just. It just shows how bad and how terrible we are. Um, so I think that that's a small um, perception change that can help, you know, to show, hey, like, yes, we're, we're thankful that Jesus... <clears throat> Excuse me, we're thankful that Jesus, you know, fulfilled the law so that we don't have to. But let's always keep that attitude. And that's not, you know, let's not be like, well, I'm glad we don't have to do all that stuff, all the 600, you know, something rules. You know, that just shows how perfect God is and how far from perfect we are because we're not even, I mean, we don't even come close. Um, so once again, like, like most things um, in the New Testament, they, they, it's not hard to find a way uh, to make them point you to Jesus. And I think that that's, that's one of those things. Yeah, and there's also a difference between the law with a capital L and the law, which is like, um, you know, all the little, um, like the, the hand washings and the, the, the Sabbath rules and things like that. Like they, there's a distinction between uh, the customs and the moral uh, laws that God expected the people to keep, like the Ten Commandments, you know, there, there is a difference between um, the law that we uphold as Christians because we love God and we love people. So we do that willingly. Um, and the traditional laws that like what, like clean food, unclean food that we, we, we don't have to worry about anymore. Um, and we are, we're saved from both. Like we're we're not weighed down by our sins when we miss the the moral law, and we're not separated from God when we don't uphold the the clean 
cleanliness laws and the the other stuff like that. So, yeah, both burdens are taken care of. Right. Um, I think we we touched on verse one and two um, because you know Paul's Paul's basically saying like, so when you read verse one, then what advantage has the Jew or what value? Uh, what is the value of circumcision? Um, after the conclusion of chapter two, you would expect him, you know, to say, "Oh, well, there's there's no value at all." Um, but but he he doesn't say that. He says the opposite. He's like much in every way to begin with. The Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Imagine, you know, we're we're most uh, I assume probably everyone that's listening to this is a Christian. <laughs> I doubt there's any Jews. <laughs> you know, we're we're Gentiles. We don't get to say that our forefathers, you know, had the very words of God while the rest of the world was, was, you know, had that they had, they had pagan gods and they had all these crazy things that, that was going, that, that was going on. Um, and, well, and that, my that, ancestry says I have 10%. So I, <laughs> 10%, you're 10% Jewish. I mean, that, that's what the website says. Who knows if that's real? I don't oh, Well, yeah. then, then 10%, you know, you could say that. So you could say it just a little bit, but yeah. You know all, that stuff happened, and w- with the Jews, no doubt. But but they're these people, like you said, this small nation was chosen by God, and not many people can say that, and and that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and and um, you know we are grafted into them. Uh, we are the the stepchildren that were. Uh, we're brought into the fold. Uh, we're adopted. You know, we're adopted. Yes, and we're but we're treated like like we we've always been there. We're not just like oh you're that weird adopted kid. You know, just go sit in the corner and think about how you're not related to us. I guess I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so, man. Um. Yeah, he goes on to say. Um. You know, uh, uh, where am I? Yeah, what if um, some did not have faith? Was their lack of faith uh, nullify God's faithfulness? And yeah, that's important to see with the the Jewish people. It's even though, like later, like later on, well, not even later on, like like right out of the gate, they were just a bunch of whining, complaining. Right when they left Egypt. And, um, you know, God was still faithful to them, brought them to the promised land. And then later on, even when he had to send them into exile, he, he was still faithful to to uh, a small remnant. So, you know, uh, that just shows how much more faithful God is, you know, than we are. Like, I I know we wouldn't probably wouldn't have the same amount of patience for, for people as, as God does for for them and for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. In, in, in verse four. So I want to, I want to read the, um, I want to read the cross reference here because it's not really on topic here, but there's, there's some good stuff there. Um, so verse four, by no means let God be true, though everyone were a liar as it is written that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. So this is a cross-reference from Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is when David has been has been caught in his sin. Um, not David who I'm talking to, but King David. 
Um, so create in me a clean heart, O God, is the title on, on my Bible. And it says, to the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Um, so David has been found out, and, you know, he's he's basically a wreck. And there's something... Um, there's something that I want to see here because, once again, it points to Jesus. So I'm going to read a good portion, and then we're going to skip, and then we're going to, get, we're going to go down to the bottom. Um, so verse 4 of Psalm 51. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Wow. Behold, you delight in truth in the, in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and clean, and, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So I'm going to skip. Um, you can go read this in your own time. It's more or less the same. Um, let's see. Okay, so verse 16. Uh, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with, with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see this, like, David knows. He's like, look, what I've done, there is no sacrifice for it. But he, he still, even though he knows that there is no sacrifice under the, uh, under the law to cover his sin, not to wash it away, but just to cover it so he's not destroyed completely. You know, judgment isn't brought immediately. He still appeals to God, and he's like, God, please have mercy on me. And he doesn't appeal to a sacrifice because he knows there is none. He's like, I have a broken spirit. I, I have a contrite heart. And what does that sound like? That sounds like repentance. Mm-hmm. You know, that sounds like repentance taught in the Old Testament. And and what what does that what does that point you to that points you to Jesus you know we don't have to do a burnt offering to to cover our sins you know and so you and I were talking about catholicism uh, before we started recording um we don't have to worry about oh man you know better lead or better read you your your last rites because if you die with any unforgiven sin that you haven't repented from you know with the priest that you're going to spend more time in purgatory like that's that's not what this should be about um there's there's a really good video we bring it up all the time uh because we both really enjoy mike winger but um he he goes into depth on Catholicism and the errors and stuff and and that that just that's such a burden to me that you have to walk around and hope you don't get hit by a bus you know or hope that like yeah. you have a mortal condition and it's like yeah well I guess I'm gonna trust in this man to read me my last rites and usher me you know through purgatory instead of just trusting in Jesus. There's a scripture I can't remember where it's at, um, but it says that Jesus died once for all, you know, to cover all sins. You, you don't have to have grace handed to you piece by piece. You know, you get it completely, and then what you don't get handed to you piece by piece, but what happens piece by piece is the sanctification in your life. Um, but the grace is there. Yeah, and this shows the mercy of God even in the Old Testament. Is David 
he was a murderer and there was, should have been no escape for him. Like that's, that's it. Even as a king, like you, you have to pay the price, whether it's by the hand of, you know, the people or by the hand of God, David should have been struck down in some way. But like, like we said, he, he, his sacrifice was with repentance. It was his heart. So I think as Americans, we try and like show, be like, okay, God, what what can I do to earn your favor? You know, what how, what can I, what sacrifice can I bring? How much money can I tithe? How much time should I spend in the church to earn your favor and your forgiveness? It's like, no, Jesus has already d- done that for you. You know, your your part was to respond to it and then receive it. Like you you have no part to play in this. Like we can't because the law is, is too much for us. Once you start working within the law, you have to stay there. You know, it's, uh, that, that's the whole point of Jesus coming, you know? So we don't have that, that burden anymore. And, you know, I have friends who are Catholic. My grandmother is Catholic. And it, if she, if she's listening, hi grandma, I love you. Uh, she probably isn't. Um, She's like almost ninety. She doesn't even know what a podcast is. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, it, it it is true. Like there is a burden where it's like, you know, I don't want my loved ones who are who are Catholic to walk around with this burden. Just like I don't want my friends who are word of faith to walk around with this burden, thinking that everything is on them. Their their level of faith, their level of dedication, their level of Whatever, whatever that sacrifice looks like, so they can be right with God. It's like you don't have to work to to maintain. Well, you don't have to make yourself right before God. Jesus has already done that for you. Right. You know. Yeah. There's another um, scripture that comes to my mind that uh, man, I can't remember it, but Paul wrote it. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, but he he talks about how even uh, so, the righteousness that's placed upon us. Um, it's not our own. It doesn't come from us. Um, right. It's Christ's righteousness, um, and that's an important distinction. Because if we, if we try to say, "Oh, yeah, this is our righteousness," and we lean upon that, then before long, it, this is just human nature. We start looking towards our works, and instead of our works, you know, being a result of our salvation, we start to use them as, you know, well, you know. I did this and I did that, so I must really be saved. Um, and and I don't, I don't think that that's smart. I think, well, I think that that's the anti-gospel. First of all, because you know, what we would say is that you get saved and your <laughs> faith in Jesus produces good works, but those good works do not save you whatsoever. Um, so I think that that's a, an important distinction. Yeah, I agree. Um. Okay, so let's move on. Uh, Verse 5, But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? That God is unrighteous uh, to inflict wrath on us? I speak in a human way. Um, This is is unique because it's like the Holy Spirit put this here. Um, This is like, so Paul does this a lot. He anticipates arguments to his theology or to his teaching or, or just to, to, to him. 
and he he answers them. And and one of these is he's like, okay, well, if our unrighteousness, so if our sin serves to show how righteous and great and just God is, what what shall we say that God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us? And he says, after this, I speak in a human way. This sounds, and I'm not trying to be offensive if you are atheist, but this sounds like a low level, not thought through very well atheist argument to Christianity. Yeah, uh, and uh, I think more than anything, that just shows how, no matter how long ago it is, humans are the same. You may think you have the big brain, you know, like uh, I'm the big brain internet uh, atheist, but at the end of the day, you have the exact same thought that someone else did a thousand years ago. You're no different. Um, you could probably find, you know, what, what was his name, like Plato or Aristotle or whoever, and they probably said the same thing. So... You know the, these arguments; it's are just human nature, and and yeah, it 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 really is uh, the Holy Spirit putting that upon Paul and helping him, uh, I guess, write it down for future generations so we can look back and go, "Oh yeah, we've always been dumb." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, like. Uh, there's uh, that argument. It's like you know what. Uh, how could a loving God do X, Y, and Z, you know? But Paul's argument would be God is just in that. You know, his his wrath is just. Um, you know, who are you to say, yeah, you know, what what is what should and shouldn't be? We we kind of talked about a little bit before recording about Job, how the yeah, book of Job, God's out, like Yeah. He he's like God's like you won't even understand it if I tried to explain it to you pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, let me um, let me find that. If you can go ahead and and, and read verse six, I'm gonna I'm gonna look for that right now. Alrighty. Certainly not. If that were so, how could God judge uh, the world? Someone might argue. Uh, if my falsehood enhances God's truthfulness and so increases his glory, why am I still condemned as a sinner? Yeah. So um, Job 38 is is where we're going to read from. And the whole book of Job is a lot of people just speaking things that aren't true about God and just having wrong theology, uh, not understanding. And um, Job has had all these terrible things happen to him. And he's basically, I mean, he's letting God have it. He's like, well, I wish I could talk to God. And and once again, we see a picture of the need for an, a mediator, a Christ figure. Uh, mm-hmm. Job even, even, you know, words that. He's like, I wish that there was someone that I could go to that could intercede for me so I could talk to God. And and he's basically like, I don't know why God has done this. And, and it, it's a whole bunch of stuff. Go read the whole book. It's depressing and confusing and all the stuff <laughs> um, just like real life <laughs> just like real life yeah because it is real life um, it is yeah. so job 38 um i'll just i'll start from 38 verse 1 so this is going to be god answering job after after we've had countless uh chapters of job you know making accusations and saying i wish i could talk to god or i wish i could 
maybe not shake a fist, but you know, he's Job is frustrated. Like a lot mm-hmm. of things have went wrong for him. And if you think that you would have a better attitude about it, then humble yourself <laughs> because you probably yeah. wouldn't. Um, so, all right, this is Job 38 one. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. <laughs> I can't get any farther. If God told me that, dress for action like a man. I'm like, you know what? I don't want to talk about this anymore, actually. <laughs> um, but I'm right. going to continue. And, and I'm going to cut this short because, I mean, it's just verse after verse after verse of God just proving a point. Uh, but I want to read some of this because it's good. Uh, dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Uh, verse four, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it on what on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst from out of the womb, uh, when I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? God just goes on and on and on of like all this stuff. And he's like, who is this? And obviously the answer is God. You know, it's, it's, it's putting Job in his place. And, and we see, um, uh, let's see. So um, I'm going to skip to Job 40. Uh, verse 1, and I'm going to read verse 1 and 2. And the Lord said to Job, Shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. Um, so Job is going to answer uh, in two different places that I'm going to read. So we're going to start right after that, uh, verse 3 of chapter 40, and then we're going to go to 42. So uh, then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Um, So then the Lord challenges challenges Job. And then I want to read one more verse uh, or section. And this is Job 42, um, 1 through 3. And this is... This is good. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes." So Job spends countless chapters telling his friends that they're wrong, that God is wrong, that, that, you know, he is, he, he needs to talk to God and then God answers him. And in a, in a handful of verses, he's like, you know what? I, I uttered what I did not understand. Um, and I think that that attitude for us is very, very helpful because like we've talked about before, uh, just you and I one-on-one and on the podcast. Um, hey, I, I didn't say video, so that's good. It's not prophetic anymore. <laughs> um, but, but life is hard sometimes, you know. And, and 
we've all heard people that say this, you know, they're like, when I die and I go to heaven, I'm going to shake my fist at God and ask him why he screwed up, you know, so much. And, and I'm just thinking, are you, are you really? Cause yeah. you won't be, you're going to be like Job. You're going to be like, Oh crap. I Uh-oh. uttered what I did not understand. <laughs> and I, I just find the whole concept ridiculous of people questioning God in general. Like, I, we all question God. Like we all say, you know, God, why? In the midst of uh, tragedy, I've definitely found myself there. But the attitude I find ridiculous is that prideful walk around, like nose stuck up in the air, like I know better than God. Like your morality which, is is better than God's. Yes. Yeah. And but what's dangerous about that? It's not just uh, the you know the, the internet atheist that has that attitude. There's also, uh, unfortunately, I feel Christians that have that, uh, idea too. And it's, it's, uh, have kind of growing in popularity where it's, you know, I know better than the Bible. You know, what, what society says is more important to me than what God says, because, you know, it's relevant or, you know, whatever, like, like clearly, um, but, you know, I have this argument that has it all figured out. I don't need your, your, you know, patriarchy, so, so, um, re- repressive rules, kind of, kind of thing, um, which is just ridiculous. Like, if you're calling yourself a Christian, why would you not follow the Bible? But you know, that's that's kind of where we're ending up here in America. It seems like um, these arguments here at the the end of uh, we're not at the end uh, at a. Uh, Chapter three, verse, um, you know, seven and eight. These yes. these closing arguments are oddly, uh, oddly enough, being uttered by people claiming to be of the faith. Yeah, uh, and it's it's a little it's a little disturbing and something we need to pray about, like the direction of the church, and not to be off on a tangent or anything, but the 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 direction of the church in America right now and how biblically illiterate people are. Yeah, um, but. Well, That's a side thing, I guess. Well, it, I, I don't think it's a side thing. I think that I think that it ties in because we're seeing uh, progressive Christianity, which, I mean, it's it's not Christianity. Like that, they call themselves Christians, but they're they're Christians only in name. Um, yeah. and and they have they have some of these. So let's go ahead and and read this last portion. Um, so Paul is not going to answer this. Um, this um, argument until I think it's chapter six. So we're not going to get a resolution yet, but um, you know, his, he says their condemnation is just, so he's made up his mind, you know, by chapter three. Uh, But, but verse seven here, let's read this and finish it out. Uh, But if through my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? Um, there are people that think that at them being Christians, when they sin, they're doing the Lord's work um, because good may come out of that, man. I can repent and, and I can have all, look at what God's done in my life. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, it's like the, the ends justify the means kind of deal. Yeah. You know, like, Yeah. So I was listening to I was listening to a podcast today um, about Catholicism, and they were talking about how in the 
and the early Roman Catholic Church, um, indulgences really got out of hand quickly. And it was to the point where it was like, hey, um, just go ahead and tell me what I need to do because I'm going to go commit this sin later. And I'll go ahead and pay this indulgence, whatever it is. And that is the same thing. Um, and and what we're seeing here in, in verses 7 and 8 is is what's classified as is a, it's a doctrine of cheap grace. You know, it's you, you're not repentant of, of your sin. Um, you don't really care. You're like, I'm doing the Lord's work. I'm sinning. That way he can forgive me later. I'm like, man. Well, well, and what we've experienced here is we've even heard people say in circles we've been in, you know, well, we shouldn't even bother to preach about sin anymore because people don't know what it is, so why bother? Right. It's like, well, we, we just got to preach love. Like the the kids today don't don't need to know about sin. They need to know about love. And it's like that's the most unloving thing you could do. Yeah. And um, you know, it, we'll, we'll probably get into it more later. We have an episode planned out. Uh, we're doing research on it, but the cultural Christianity um, that we're seeing uh, in America and sort of, uh, it, it's it's remarkably a lot like uh, the old school Roman Catholicism we saw back in the early medieval age. And now, it again, it just goes to show human beings, they never change. We just find a new way to do things. That's basically an old way of doing things. Just yeah, packaged differently. Yeah, 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 a different package. A pretty, prettier wrapping paper or whatever, you know. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's why you got to be grounded in the Bible, not just in what your pastor says or what your church says, but you actually got to be reading this, this for yourself, understanding the context of it. Yeah. Well, um, I think we did an intro to chapter three. I think we did a did a decent job. Um, so. Like I said, seven and eight here, we're not going to get to, call, to, to Paul's answer until around chapter six. Um, so we'll have to wait for that. But next week, we're going to continue on in chapter three, and we'll see how far we get. And um, until then, we'll see you guys next time. See y'all later.